You're about to enter seventh heaven. If you like this pod, then you can show your support by rating us five stars and hitting that little subscribe button to help us climb the pod rankings and spread the sevens gospel. If you're looking for extra content, you can go to our YouTube page or our social channels, Twitter and Instagram, our handle at seventh heaven pod. Again, like, subscribe, share, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back once again to your celestial one-stop pod for all things Rugby Sevens. You're back in the clouds with me, Burnsy, Mitch and Chip. We've got Burt's back with the breakdown and we got a massive guest as per usual. This guy as well, he's the head honcho of the USA Men's Sevens team. He's one of the most listened to voices in the game. He's Coach Kenya, he's Coach England and I'm sure he's going to tell us he's got a fabled career as a player as well. So Mike Friday is on the pod this week. But first up, boys, how are you? Good, Burnsy. I'm very good. You want to know what I've been up to? been training hard, mate. I've been training hard. That's what I've been up to. Training hard. You've actually got together with some of the GB players this week. Finally, we've got some GB news to share. <laughs> yeah, it's limited news. Uh, yeah, myself, Tom Bowen and Ollie Lindsay Haig, we're doing some sort of socially distanced training together. Um, I realised they're two of the worst blokes to go and train with for your first sort of mixed session because they're two of the feetiest, quickest people out there. Um, so my confidence had to remain robust despite being slower and less agile than both of them. What are the elements of training that you lick your lips when you hear that you're going to do? What do you excel in and get excited to get stuck into? Because you know you're going to dominate another member of the squad. Wrestling. You know, I actually do like the, I like the wrestling as well, though, but I like to wrestle with like noughts because he's probably by that point been annoying me enough during the day that I actually really want to get stuck in and beat him up. I've got a good video of me throwing noughts in the gym at Twickenham. Do you remember that? Yeah. And he's also like, he's probably not the best wrestler, is he, in the squad? So I reckon I have a shot at him every time. I'm not one of the best either, but it's, it's kind of a battle of the minnows. He, um, he's annoyingly strong for, for like a, quite a skinny bloke. And he, he gets like, he pushes his head in your face. Uh, he's, an, he's an annoying wrestler. Um, I'm trying to think, do you remember, it's the, one of the drills is you put your arm on the back of someone's head. I don't, no one actually really gets why, the, why you're doing it, but you've you got arm on his head, he's got an arm on your head, and you're trying to like pull each other's head to the ground. It sounds like really weird, but you're not supposed to push each other. And Nort's like pushes, pushes his head in you and tries to push you back. And the first time I was like, just Nort, stop pushing me. The second time I was like, just uh, stop pushing me. And the third time he pushed me, I was like, right, he's having it. So I used his weight, swung him round, <laughs> threw him down, and he went flying around little legs. He was raging as well. I think I've got a video of it because I know you lads are all video evidence, video evidence. So I can wow. send that. I can. I can send that to the pod. I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought it up because Joe Marchant still isn't backing your corner, mate. It's been shout outs on the story, shout out through post. Joe Marchant conspicuous by his silence. Yeah, he's got bigger fish to fry. Yeah, he picked up his 100 cap. 100 cap. Fair play to him, though. At 24, I don't know how old he is. I think he's 24, but 100 games at 24 is pretty, pretty bloody cool. Yeah, good on him. Good to see that Marcus Smith has taken his foot off the pedal as well. Jeez. He is ridiculous. Do you know why he played so well on the weekend? Tell me, Chip. Played him a snippet of Seventh Heaven just before just before the game. <laughs> hey, bit of stardust right there into his ears. Oh. Bit of stardust. Does he need our addresses to send the thank you card? Well, to be honest, did you hear about you know when he had the head guard on against um, the game before against Leicester? Do you know why he had had the head guard on? No. Listening to Seventh Heaven in the game. <laughs> <laughs> had the pods in. Had his AirPods Air- in. Did it? AirPod, AirPod Pros. Yeah, they got a good range. Is that a gap in the market? Is that a gap in the market? A scrum I cap. I think it's illegal. A scrum cap that has a stereo in, so you can listen to your favourite pod while you're getting down and dirty for inspiration. I've got a feeling that like it happened in Australia, and someone had like a mic in for a game. It might have been Mike Gittos. Is it Mike Gittos who used to wear a head guard? Yeah, he wore one. Uh, and he yeah. was like, the, and the coaches were like, "Hey, have a look at putting a chip in next phase or something." I, no. I, I, mate, correct me if I'm wrong, but there might be some spice in this. But ah, you've heard it here first. Mike Gittos <laughs> a cheat, yeah, dude. By the way, did you see there were sevens in Fiji? There were sevens in New Zealand. It's like the sports exploding again. 
Look what look what we've done for the sport, guys. You're welcome. Yeah, mate. It's everywhere. Everyone's at it. Back playing. Um, a couple of the tournaments sort of snuck under the radar a little bit. Uh, well, not on our radar, obviously. But um, <laughs> well, it did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's come clean. <laughs> let's co- let's come clean. That All Blacks one definitely snuck up on us. But to be fair, it wasn't televised. But did you have a look at the two All Black teams that faced each other? The black team. And the orange team, spicy. Quite tasty, quite tasty teams. And obviously in the first game, they had a quick, pretty tight affair, wasn't it? 14-12 or something to the oranges? 50% chance? I don't know, one of them. Um, and it, but then they played each other in the final again. Um, and one of them got pumped in, I think it was like 28-5 or something. Um, but that that is something I'm really jealous of. And I think it's something, if the GB squad ever gets together, that I think they might have to do. Like a tournament with England, Wales and two GB teams. Like Invitational, maybe a couple of academy teams or England 20s or something. Um, yeah, jealous. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking out loud, here, guys. No, you got, you got, to, you got to get creative with these solutions. Because who did they? Who else did they have in that little mixed tournament down there? Yeah, Tonga, uh, Fiji, Barbars, and a team called Rugby Vault. Whoever, who knows who they are? But, but I feel sorry for those three teams because they were basically cannon fodder for the All Blacks to just blow the cobwebs out before they showed down against each other in the final. Uh, you wouldn't say no, though, if you're in those teams. But yeah, and the, and the tournament in Fiji, which is a big tournament, it's the Nadi Sevens, I think. And yeah, I mean, the, the standard of that one would have been decent as well. All the big boys playing, I think. But let's wind things back to Madrid. That's where our focus is. And we're going to kick things off with the women and Bertz's breakdown. One night, one high, one high, one high, one high. Get your hands up in the air. Hands up in the air. Hands up in the Bert's air. Bertz in the house. Bert's in the house. And Bert's, you're not just in the house. You're back on the rugby field, aren't you? I am, I am. Yes. I am. The Congratulations, return. Abigail. Thank you very much. The return came, boys. Literally 20 minutes on there versus Harlequins. Unfortunately, we lost, um, what was uh. it, 20, 20, 2019. It was, abs- mm. it was absolute heartbreak. So as soon as I came on, it all went downhill from there. And I'm stood there thinking, is it, is it me? Have I done something? literally downhill from there but we've we've regrouped we've we've done a bit of analysis already so because we've got a big game going into Saris this weekend close games like that will sting a little bit don't they yeah we were just like we were just talking to each other we just went like where do we think we lost it and I was just there like I don't know like and it, it's difficult when you're in that when you're in that moment in time and you're trying to think about like where it went wrong and we were just I just said like oh, I don't even I can't even put my finger on what just happened um, because we, we should we should have won. Sometimes after a defeat, it's just nice to take a minute. Well, it's not nice, but I think it's important, especially in 15s when you've got time to take a minute. Just take a minute, take it all in, go back, gather your thoughts and then come back in. After the game, I think there's one thing you should never do is like try and analyse it then. Yeah. You need to let it play through. You need to watch the tape back. You need to go and regroup. And Bert, I'm sure you'll be back stronger next week. Thank you very much, Chip. The, Thank the, you. The, the burst effect. <laughs> I like what the burst effect for sure. I like what um, I've liked what we do in sevens a bit because you got the quick turnaround. I like where we have a hot debrief, but you know that's a hot debrief, so it's not really about the information or mm. the analysis. It's more about like what do we think and what do we feel right there and then. But then you know that that's probably not what you're necessarily going to carry forward. Yeah. It's a good post-game process. I don't know if we've co- covered it. Maybe one for Norse's Corner for the future. Maybe one for Norse's Corner to make a comeback. Well, what about the court session debrief? What sort of value do you extract from there when lips are a bit looser and truths flow a bit more fluidly? I think I think the truth always comes out after a couple of pints, unfortunately. It but so, sometimes that's the best way to get a group together. It is, it is. That's one thing that we were saying that we miss. Because it is a big thing in rugby and like it's a big thing in all sports. Like you can't be so intense all the time and train like five days a week together and then go into the weekend and not be able to just like have a bit of a relief. So bring the bring the boozy bus back sooner. Oh, oh. Just to love a boozy bus trip. Don't have them that much these days, like especially with sevens. But oh, I tell you what, a good boozy bus trip back mm. in the day. I always said, I always said it wouldn't matter if you won the lottery and you had all the money in the world. It is impossible to create the atmosphere of a fun bus on the way back from an away game that you've been training <laughs> for all week. You're with your mates. You've been in the trenches all afternoon. And you're you're crammed into a minibus down the M5, naked within thirty minutes with a bottle <laughs> of port in your system. 
And, you know, you, you just can't recreate that. You've got to earn that spirit. Oh god! Oh god! Anyway, oh, that's an image. Sounds like that's the boys' buses are a lot different to the girls' buses. Jesus Christ! Anyway, let's get on to a bit of sevens. And seeing as you were actually playing some rugby this weekend, Bert, I forgive you for not being the authority on absolutely every team. But I know that you caught up on most of the tournament, and probably a bit of a shock that Russia won. Yeah, I, I, I was really shocked that Russia won. If I'm being honest with you, I was watching back like especially when, when we got back on Sunday, I was watching back all the games and then watched the final and I was watching like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Like, I didn't think that Russia was actually going to pull it out of the bag. Um, but actually they, they came out and they looked, they looked really fit. Like they came out, they, it, obviously they have worked on their game plan because usually when they come out, they don't really have that much of a game plan. Um, it's usually just using their strong players with, with their super strengths, which is their carries. It was refreshing to actually see that they had changed a little bit, um, which I think they, they they needed to. And it was credit to um, Elena, Dr- I can't say her second name, Dracova. Dracova. I don't Dracova. know how you pronounce the Z, Z into a D. Dracova. Yeah, 11, 11 tries in the whole weekend. Like, Unbelievable. That's Unbelievable, just running in tries for fun. Blue scrum hat, Chip. She wears a blue scrum hat. Yeah. She does. She's stealing, she's stolen all my tries there. That's <laughs> what I've got. <laughs> very, very quick. Like, she's one of the most, like, dangerous people on the Russian team. But they, I, think, I still think that they can utilise her so much better. If she was so dangerous, why didn't you pick her out as your player to watch last week, Bert? Because, uh, still, <laughs> still, still, right? By that and um, Elena Mikalsova. Now known as Elena Tiron. She is married. I should have known this. She's married to one of the old physios who used to be one of the Russian physios. But they still played really well. The the players that I did pick out did play really well anyway. Um, But I still think that they can utilise Elena, the, the winger, a lot better than what they did. But... To be fair, mm. they, they put on a show for us, didn't they? Let's get into it, though, But Why did USA not win? Because they... Or was it, oh, were they your favourites? Yeah, they were my favourites to win. Why did they not win? Um, they just didn't look as sharp as what they usually look. I think that the combinations that they were putting on the pitch, in, in my eyes, weren't their strongest combos um, that they could have put on. Personally, that, that's what I thought, seeing what combinations they put on on the World Series. Like, Naya Tapper wasn't on the pitch, who's one of the most dangerous people on the series. Um, and just some of the combinations just didn't didn't really make sense to me. But that could be the way that they were doing this, this first weekend. Uh, they play different combos, and then next weekend they come into it all guns blazing. But... It was great to see, even though they didn't play as well as what they did, uh, what they, what I believe they could have done. Aerial skills, Jesus Christ, Ooh. they were on form aerially. Like Abigastitis, Kayla, Kayla McCravey shapes up to the left, bang it onto to, onto the ten meter, playing against Spain. Abigastitis goes up, literally somersaults in the air, tap back. They literally score off that phase, and she did that consistently the whole weekend. Like she was just up, making a mess of every single ball and. That, that was one thing that I was really, really impressed with. Fair enough, they didn't look as sharp as what they usually do, but their, a lot of their kickoffs were were pretty, pretty good. But they do that in the... Well, it looked like they do it in open play as well. They just look physically on a bit of another level compared to some of the other teams. Like yeah. their height advantage in the tackle and being able to kind of move the ball like basketball style a lot of the time, like such a huge advantage when you're playing against women who are a lot shorter. Yeah, 100%. That's, that's the thing about USA. They come they do have a lot of girls who come from different sports. And that's why I think in a few years time on the series, they will be absolutely unreal. Because if you, if you hone in on the rugby skills that you can teach them coming from different, like different sports in general, like your basketball, um, your athletics, that type, that type of stuff, you can teach them ball skills. So then when they move across, I think they will be so dangerous in a few years time. That all being said, Bert, they got turned over by that lot from Marcusis. Didn't Marcus they? Cease. they Marcus did. Cease, yeah. Marcus The French ladies <laughs> took them 26-7 in the decisive game to kind of decide who'd go to the final. So although they got beaten by Russia in the final, France were in the mood. Yeah, they were. They when when France come out, you you kind of know what what you what you what you expect and what you're gonna get, which is work rate, um, which is just overall like ability to 
move the ball as well. Um, they just didn't look as sharp as what they usually look, um, if I'm being honest. I think that the the Russians came out and they looked really, really fit and they looked like they could handle the game, whereas you could see that the other teams were were, were blowing a little bit more. And I think that fit, we all like we all know that fitness is such a key, a key thing within the sevens. Um and it kind it kind of showed a little bit that some teams just aren't in tune with as much sevens um as what they probably should be. They've added in a new a new couple of players as well of the French as well. So it, it was good to see them starting to change it up a little bit, but they're always an exciting team to watch. It's, it's a shame that they lost to Russia in the final, but Russia did deserve it with the way that they were, with the way that they were playing. So um, looking at the lesser known teams, uh, Kenya, Poland, and I know that Spain are the home nation on the series. I guess the big shock was that Poland went through to the fourth place game against USA. Yeah, I was really impressed with the Polish team. Their their captain has been around for, as I said in the previous pod, their captain and a few of their other girls have been around for quite a few now. So it was good to see them kind of expressing themselves, but also as well that that rogueness. They they kick a lot. Um, did the Polish team, um, which. A lot of teams don't really kick that much on the series. So it was, I think it took um, your Spain and your USA a bit by surprise. A lot of them play seven up though still, don't they? A lot of teams, yeah. in, well, a lot of teams in general play seven up, but particularly the women's defence is yeah, seven they do. across the front line, right? What's seven up, Mitch? It's a drink. Yes, Jimmy. Yes. <laughs> Very good, Richard. Seven up, rather than having six in the front line and, and one in the back as a sweeper, you put all your players seven in a line across the front. Makes it harder to break down the defence. But it always baffles me a little bit why, especially in a women's game, they don't exploit that backfield a bit more. A few teams have started to do it, like, or play six up with like a shallow, a shallow sweeper rather than one a bit further back. Um, but it is, it is because not that many teams kick on the series. Um, but like we've been, we've been found out a few times when we play seven up um, and New Zealand have kicked against us a few times and they score off the back of it. So it is, it's an area of the game that hasn't been tapped into yet. But I think when a team taps into it correctly, then it will be really dangerous. I think um, one good example from what I've remembered watching your games, Bert, was the uh, qualifier in the Olympics against Russia in the final. You just kicked the leather off the ball, didn't you? Pinned them down there, horrible weather. And like proves like it was a bit of a boring game to watch. Like, no offence, like, good, good <laughs> yeah, that you won. It was, wasn't it? Because yeah. it was just, you booted it down and made your tackles. But yeah. what, an effective, what an effective strategy and maybe... Obviously, not booting it down all the time, but it might be something you can bring in. On the role reverse of that, what Poland started to do was they started to kick against USA, which just kept putting them under pressure. And especially when these teams aren't necessarily as tuned in and uh, as fit as what they used to be before, being on the series all the time, being such a professional setup, that lack of fitness kind of shows when a team's being kicked against, um, especially when someone's chasing back and you've got to be back there to help your mate. It, it, it shows a little bit. So, but yeah, they, yeah. they were really, really impressive. What about Kenya? Cause you gave Kenya a pretty damning review about their last appearance when they were on the world series. <laughs> Do you know what? I was, I was pleasantly surprised with the, with the Kenyan, with the Kenyan women's team, like their, their skill set from the last time that we played against them has gotten so much better. Um, their ability to move the ball more, to recognize space now. Um, like, yeah, they're, they're definitely moving in the right direction, um, which is which is really exciting for a nation that hasn't, isn't on the series, but their men's team is. Um, you wouldn't, sometimes when a team necessarily isn't on the series, they might not get as much funding or as much um, like love put into their system. Um, but it looks like they've had, they've had some love. They've had some loving in that system. Do they, are they linked up at all, actually, the Kenyan men and women? Or are they completely separate team programmes? I don't even know. Don't know. Don't know, yeah. One for you to research for next time, Bert. Yeah, it is. I'll, yeah, I'll, do, do your homework first. <laughs> do my homework. Can you just, an, can you just ant anticipate the questions we're going to ask you so then you've got the answers? <laughs> Shout out to Janet Akalo, who scored in one, two, three, four, Four of their six matches. Pretty decent from old Janet. Poor old Spain. I called them the Senoritas last week, but they're actually known as Las Leonas. Um, mm -hmm. The majority of their star players were involved in Guadalajara in their 56-7 victory over Russia in Rugby Europe's 2020 championship. So we probably didn't see 
the best Spain side, did we? Yeah, I I, I didn't recognise a lot of the girls that were on there. There was a, there was a few of them. Barbara, she was on there as well. One of their one of their old girls who I said who I said been been on there since Fisher's been on the series. So it was good to see that she's still on there. But um, you know what? Sometimes when the older girls go away and the more experienced girls go away, you see exciting young ones coming through the system and. That's what I what I felt like I saw. There's very few opportunities on both men and women's. I think even more so limited opportunities in the women's front to like blood players on the big stage, as you were saying. Like, and at first, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, get the young ones in, see how they go, uh, and then when it comes to it, if they can kick it on that stage, you see if they can go again. Yeah, it, it is. It is hard. It's a it's a difficult thing. Like, especially when you when you're new into the system. Like, boys, you might not remember this because it's been a long time for you guys. Um, but when you. That Ooh. one cuts deep, that, actually. I was so that proud of myself did. when I said that. Only two, only 2011. But, like, when you're coming into the system, when you're a young'un coming through the system, like me, when you're, trying, when you're trying to get game time, like, these tournaments are, like, absolutely perfect for it. Like, the, the little invitational tournaments that we've had before, they're perfect just to get your young ones in and have experience with playing because then when you're coming onto the bigger stage, you could feel like you can throw them into those high-pressure situations because you're never going to learn at the end of the day. Any more banter for Bert's before she break dances off? Uh, that's it's a stretch there. I've tried to do something with the breakdown stuff, and I it hasn't worked. And it hasn't worked. Yeah, it hasn't okay, worked. Yeah. Okay. Before she gives it the backdoor boogie. There we go, Chip. Bert's. It's been a pleasure again. A best of luck for next week, and I hope you get some more minutes. Thank you very much, lads. One night and have one night, one night. One night always one catch night, much rugby at the weekend. Watched a bit of it, yeah. Yeah, it's good to be able to flick on and off and see some sevens going on. I got it on the YouTube on the big TV, um, and I said to Annika, "This is surreal. What watching sevens?" And I was like, "Why aren't Why aren't I there?" It's a shame they didn't have any um, any English commentators on it, Bernsey, wasn't it? Oh my god, it was exhausting, wasn't it? It was exhausting listening to that Spanish commentary all weekend. I mean, but there's something there's something about Spanish and South American commentary. Like you see it on South American football. When they're commentating, it sounds like they're commentating on a greyhound race. It's so fast and they're so excited the whole time that you're on tenterhooks. To our precious English ears that aren't used to it, we're just, we're just spoiled, aren't we? Blue-blooded murder of the English tongue. There was a lot of dusty teams out there. Some like, that's the best like tra- kind of verb I was looking for. Verb? No, adjective. There you go. Be in English, but we'll, we'll rewind there. Um, yeah, like just dusty, you know? Like they've got it off the top shelf. Like, oh yeah, this is a like half decent book. Yeah, oh no, that's quite a good book. And it's just not reading the same as it used to. You like your perception's changed. If the page is a bit stuck together, you don't really know what's going on, but you're not you you'll carry on reading and I'm sure you'll sure it get better. I think that that's my analogy of the weekend. Um some dusty teams out there. Very good chip. Uh my hot debrief is that part of the reason it was a bit sticky is the dustiness. Partly the style of play. The winners for me, I know that Argentina went home with the trophy. Kenya, men, winners for me. Yeah, going into Kenya a little bit before we get on some of the other teams. They were actually a bit less direct than they sometimes are. I think there was a bit less emphasis in defensively from them of piling into breakdowns, although they still had that element of their game. But they were just putting together some nice stuff, like keeping the ball alive. That was a rare thing to see at the weekend. And from men's and women's rugby... And that is, is something that is a killer. And I think that's why Argentina, like they ground out the win, but keep the ball alive as well as Kenya, I thought. Um, and some of the Kenyan players getting their wheels out, getting their feet out, running to score and trying to offload. It was decent to watch. I thought as well, Kenya showed like a, like a bit of smartness about them. There was one point when they were down to six men and a normal Kenya team would have been trying to chuck it wide and uh, no doubt will have balls it up and dropped it and knocked on and then conceded a try. There was one point and they just kept peppering... I th- was it the final? I can't remember. Uh, they kept peppering the short side and I was like, that is like smart play. Just peppering, peppering the short side, keeping it alive, keeping it alive, keeping it alive, little offloads, using your big lads coming down the short side just to eat the time up until someone comes back on. And I was just thinking... Right, so Kenya have taken a step up. Um, and uh, yeah, echoing all the points you made, Mitch, I thought they were like decent physically. Last word on those boys, William Backer looked back to his best. And I say back to his best because I feel like he's not plateaued. Maybe that's unfair, but we haven't seen him in the highlight reel as much as maybe a couple of years ago. He was just getting the ball, 
deciding he was going to run through people, around people, and take it to the house. And he, and he looked he looked awesome. I thought he looked really good. Yeah, shout out. Fan of the pod as well. Fan of the pod. And we're going to tackle USA in a second because Mike Friday is going to join us. But what about Spain and Portugal and those lights? Tough weekend for those teams. Really tough. I think um, Spain, you could kind of see the inexperience of their squad through the way they were playing and just the, the little errors like the the over chases so like when someone's attacking you just working that little bit too hard like not for lack of effort but working too hard uh, and the attacker making an easy read and just cutting back against the grain and getting past there's quite a lot of those tries um and portugal as well a pretty similar story with them they weren't up to a great deal um was it was it portugal scored first play against usa yeah nine seconds outstanding yeah, got that, excited at that point <laughs> oh my god they're gonna absolutely smash them usa take the purse um but and then yeah. no it, it didn't end well yeah the portugal did look like i thought they looked like young lads spain spain had glimpses and, and when they had more of an experienced seven on the field i thought they, they still looked like they had a bit of bit of magic about them but they're just inconsistent and poor old france COVID it out. Looks like it's doing the rounds amongst their rugby players, to be fair. That's really, really, really gutting not to see them in the mix, especially after listening to JP a couple of episodes ago. Do you reckon there's any correlation between the 15s France men's team? Because they've got like 10 or 12 cases now. And obviously we said they train together. So do you reckon there's any crossover? Could well be, couldn't it? That's the worry, I suppose. And it is though, isn't it? Like it's so, I mean, it's bad for the 15s boys, but... For those sevens lads to have trained the whole way through, waited for so long for a tournament, and then they miss out, it's, oh, it's, it's tough. Oof. i tell you what, that's pretty good timing. Guess who's knocking at the Zoom door? It's USA head coach Mike Friday. One night in heaven, one night in Always on time, lads. Always on time. <laughs> Perfect, Geezer. So you slotted right in. We were just talking about the... Um... Talking about a tournament on the weekend and having a little dig into USA. We were waiting to hear what you were going to say. Oh, what do you want to know? What the tournament was like or how USA were? Yeah, what was the tournament like first? Last time I spoke to you, or before the tournament, you didn't sound that excited about the whole process of, of just getting there. Didn't sound that exciting. No, I mean, it was it was traumatic to get here, if I'm honest with you. It was um, three or four PCR tests, antigen tests, to finally get here. And then once we had landed, we had, we had another test. And then the morning of the, the tournament, a rapid antigen nothing like I've ever experienced before because all the other rapid tests I've done have been quite nice literally I think she poked what little brain I actually have she took it out on the swab it, she, <laughs> it went right in and, and it was I mean you can imagine with some of our players and you know none more so than, than, than Perry uh, I mean it was it was hissy fit central there was handbags everywhere you know once we got back out there I mean lads like it was like being back at school, smiles on faces, you know, just what it's all about. And it's been, it's been a, a really weird uh, feeling because we're so used to the circus, the traveling circus, the fact that everybody has dinner together, everybody interacts to, to where we are at the moment, which is we're in the same hotel as Argentina, but we're in different rooms for dinner. Um, we don't really cross paths. Um, it's uh, a kind of a, a nod and a wink and a raise of the eyebrow from more than six feet. So very, very alien to what we're all used to. But, you know, everybody's prepared to, to go through these kind of sacrifices. Well, they're not sacrifices, these these challenges in order to, to get out in the paddock at the weekend, which we managed to do. And, um, yeah, let's just say results aren't everything. But it was it was it was it was it was great fun. We might get onto that, but did the I mean did the rugby feel the same? Obviously, nothing else is the same. But once it was out there and on the pitch, and the whistle was gone, yeah. I mean, the rugby was the same. The refereeing was the same. I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's we, haven't got, we haven't got time to go into <laughs> that for you, no. Giza. We'll have to put that no. to one side. No, it was it was it was. I mean, you know that the, the hits was were, were coming, and and the rustiness was obviously there as you would expect, right? Um, but it 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 it, it did feel like you had a little bit of normality just if it was a kind of a very kind of um, kind of small 14 minute kind of window, you know, there's no crowds there, but it was the purest sense, which was seven on seven, my seven mates against your seven mates. And we can bring some powers on from the side. And it, you, you take it back to that 
at the end of the game, it was still the same. All's fair in love and war and so forth. Geezer, I was watching and I was like so jealous. Turned it on. I was just like confused. You know, like I was like, oh, have I not been picked for this? Have, have the lads gone and flown out there and not played? <laughs> Gutted. Gutted. Obviously, everything didn't go USA's way on the weekend. No. But as, as you said, like a bit rusty, refereeing calls here, then everywhere. And obviously losing your star man. What, what do you reckon? Are you, are you buzzing for next week to go and put some uh, wrongs right? Or was it just a bit of rustiness and nothing to put your finger on? I think for, for, for us where we are, and, and you boys know better than anybody because obviously your England team has, has been ballers of the highest nature when it comes to, to peaking for big competitions. Um, it's it's not what happens in the lead-ups. It's what happens at the main event. And and sometimes, you know, you win when you lose and you lose when you win. And and, and kind of that's how I, I, I've approached this. I left a number of the senior boys at home to, to do certain things. We're trying to bring and, and bring through that kind of mid-group and the younger group. Um, we brought some experienced boys with us as well, the likes of Perry and Martin um, and Maka um, and Pinky. But... So we're just kind of trying to give them a spine to work around. Um, and I'm, re- I'm, I'm quite pleased with where we are. I kind of knew that physically we were relatively running fit, but what we weren't and what we are not is combat fit. So that, that whole kind of physical contact back in the game, back on your feet, hit something, get back again. You can do all that all the you like on the training paddock to try and replicate that. But you guys know better than anybody that until you're actually in it, it's very, very different. And when you come up against those Kenyan boys, who unfortunately for the American lads, Kenya always raise their game when they play against me anyway. Um, and literally, it was like running into oak trees to the boys. They're like, Jesus, these boys are, are big lads. And, you know, they've been fortunate enough to have um, Kenya Cup going on and they've had quite an active amount of rugby. So they're, they're, they're warrior fit and, and we're not. And we got bullied. They looked it. I've got to say, they, they yeah. looked sharp and fit yeah. and strong. Yeah, we got bullied. We got bullied. <laughs> Mike, I've been uh, speaking to a couple of lads you left behind. Uh, just to put your mind at ease, they've told me that they've they've been staying one and a half mics away from each other. Yeah, um, I've gone up. It was two mics. <laughs> oh, well, they, they, they said they said to me one and a half mics. Do you, want to, do you want to explain that for the listeners? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, luckily, I have, I'm I'm of the uh, of the taller, shorter England coaches. I don't mind talking about my height, but um, the reality is, we had we had this thing. We had tried so hard to keep everybody six foot, seven foot as best we can. But they're you know, you lot are all pack animals. You're not happy unless you're hugging one another. So I was like six feet, six feet, and then. Chirped up with Pat Blair at the back. Oh, it means two mics. So two mics. Is <laughs> it came three, from Pat Blair, did it? Yeah, no shot there. Three foot, three foot. And the problem is that I thought we're in the middle of a meeting. I'm trying to be serious. And I've gone at him like, you know, right chops your little English Jack Russell. I've gone right at him. And and he's like, uh, and all the boys are like, oh my God. But I hadn't actually heard what he'd said. So once I'd shut him down, they're all thinking I've got, you know, pissed off about being called a short ass again. So at the end, he said, I said, well, I said, what was that all about? And he told me, and I went, oh, oh I said, fair play, decent banter. You can have that. <laughs> but, um, and then since then, it's just, that's <laughs> been the catch line. Two mics, everybody, two mics. Mike, uh, I won't dob anyone in, but my, my intel source said that you've been a bit rattled by it and uh, to bring it up very slyly. So. <laughs> Um, so obviously you boys have been together training at home, um, like obviously in and out with COVID and stuff. Um, what's it kind of been like this whole time, like training without like without tournaments on the horizon and oh. with stuff getting cancelled? And look, I mean it's, I mean in in the in the grand scheme of thing in terms of what we do in 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 life and in, in perspective, you know it, it's not a lot of hardship to deal with if I'm honest with you. But you know. It, you know, you two know better than anybody in terms of as as rugby athletes, you like routine, you like to know what you're working towards, and you you need those targets along the way to keep you motivated, to keep you positive, uh, and to give you perspective on all the sacrifices that you do make to be that athlete. So it's been insanely hard for them, and and it's a it's a mental roller coaster because when you're trying to get physically fit to where you are. And where you need to be to compete, you you boys have got have got to empty. So to do that without knowing when your next play and if your play, and if some suit 
the lady who wants to be relevant on Twitter and decides to say something like the Olympics is going to be off. They don't understand the emotional turmoil that that causes for athletes who, if you're a senior boys like you two, um, where the Olympics is the pinnacle for what you want to do and want you to, you, you know, you've, you've changed plans to, to chase after 2021 when you've probably got your head mentally around 2020. And then you've got the younger players for every tournament that they don't get to play in the World Series, they feel, they feel like they're being robbed of their careers. So the, the, the mental torment for the players is difficult to, to keep on a level uh, playing field day to day. And in a, when you're in a daily training environment, that makes it very volatile. And, um, and that's what we're having to cope with with the boys, you know. It's, it's not easy, but, you know, We've, we've got to help and support them, but by the same token, you've got to keep them focused and, and, and on the right path and stay positive, working towards, hopefully, uh, a huge end, end goal in, uh, in Tokyo. Well, what does that mean for you as a coach then? Because you've got young spunkers coming up through the ranks, but you won't have had an opportunity to see them in tournament environments, but there could be some boys who are tickling your fancy in terms of selection. So does that create a, a difficult situation for you? Well, for, for, as a coaching, from a coaching perspective, it's great for me because like, for example, tournaments like this and, and, and Dubai that's on the horizon in April, it means that, that I can take these younger guys and they can put their best foot forward. And there were a number of guys, probably if, if it had been in 2020, it would have been a year too early for them, who are now maturing quite nicely which means that the old boys are looking over their shoulder thinking shit I'm going to have to go some now I'm going to have so it, it can create that competitive edge if we can nurture it in the right way or it can create a cauldron of uncertainty so we are managing the senior boys if I'm honest with you because we need to give them the best opportunity to, to push on and succeed but you've got those up and coming young animals who you want to snap at their heels and if they're slightly off it it is a ruthless game and, you know, sevens is one and loss on the bounce of a ball. So the reality is the, the, the best squad have got to earn the right to, to, to get on the planes. Happy days. Talking of, uh, we've got the young boys, but talking of some of the older, older bucks in the team, let's go there with, with Perry, who was obviously, he was doing his thing. God, he's still, he's still got it, hasn't he? Like did some, yeah. did some lovely touches, some nice bits of feet and, and obviously his pace. But uh, not in not such a good way at the moment. Um, I think we've probably all been on to him, messaged him and sort of wished him the best. But um, tough weekend for him. Yeah, Mitch. I mean, again, you, 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 you've been there, right? You, it's, it's, it's hard. And, and right, right now on the side of the pitch, when we were, when we were down there, it was emotional for him because he didn't know. And it was the unknown. And he's getting talked to in, in, a, in a different language. And he, he's only hearing bits of it and then you only you kind of filter out the good bits or you just hear the bad bits so once we got him back and got into hospital and and, and seemed to um and we we we've, we've got into a state now where actually we've got a, a rough plan um and we've got perspective we've got to get him home so we'll get him home in the next 24 hours hopefully he'll land back in america or tuesday tuesday evening their time um, and we will get him in for Wednesday with the surgeons and the imagery to, to confirm what we think might be there. Um, and if it is as we think, then if all goes well, then Perry's got a clock that is well and truly achievable. Um, if there's complications, then it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different conversation. But right here, right now for us, you know, Kerry, Perry's a, a real pro, not just a good guy. You know, he's the ultimate professional that that he's going to need to be to give himself a chance of, of getting ready for the Olympics. But yeah, tough. We're all, well, I speak for everyone in like on the call that we're, we're sending him our best. Like I know I've messaged him, Mitch messaged him. Um, like we're, send, we're sending our best and positive vibes. Like even though he's a probably your best player and like biggest like worry when we play against you guys. Yeah, we all, we all never want to see an injury like that, especially to a, like a good lad and a great player. So fingers crossed he, he's on the mend and back for you boys uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, we're all like that. It looks like he's got a, a good bit of perspective about him. He tweeted today or yesterday saying support system is everything, which I think we all know if we're in the sevens game. Thank you all for the prayers and kind messages. And then a gif of Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> so we'll be channeling that. Hey, Mike, so we, so we touched on Kenya. We've spoken about your boys, but what about Argentina who won it, undefeated for the weekend? What do you make of them? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, Argentina, they, they bought what I would probably say their strongest team. Um, and it was interesting because I think they played with their, their usual tenacity, um, very aggressive, um, full of energy, and they've got a real good mixture of, of uh, physicality in, in players like Schultz and the Ostrich. And then they've got the, the boys out wide that have got the feet and the wheels. And then they had uh, they got their little man Revol in the middle who, who was coming in and out of the game. So wasn't you know, he in your year at school? I think he was older than me. I Revol- reckon. I, thought, I don't know how he's still going. Every time I see him, I'm like, Jesus Christ! Who's let him out of the people old people zone? The old the old Argy boys were, were were decent, and I think it's interesting again because the, the they put a lot of pressure on the Kenya skills in their group game. And then Kenya adjusted in, in, in the final game to try to, 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 to get a bit more depth to then get into them. They started coming back down the short side. And they were, they were physically causing uh, Argentina some issues. They just got isolated on occasion and the Argentinians were, were red hot at, at, at dealing with it. And then, you know, I thought that again, the, uh, there was a couple of high tackles that were a little bit here and there in that game, but it was a fabulously physical game. Great one to watch at the end. It was. Yeah, it was. Good. Are, you, are, you, are you giving the referees the benefit of the doubt, Geezer? Because they've are. had a bit of time off as well. I've, I've, I've been, I've been a dream. So I had, I had the two referees. I was like, well, I said, obviously we're rusty. You're rusty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I left it there, and then um, I've got one for you. I've got one for you to pull up in the refs meeting, please, from the weekend. And that is them pulling back every single quick tap to make them do it oh. on the mark. Even when the taps were literally, some people were the jacklers, they'd taken the ball. So they were the mark. They tapped it and went from there a bit and pulled back and it just slowed the game down. Fucking fired me up that. I think that was with the, 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 the cut of the Spanish boys, but I'm not sure that the, because you had the two, the two World Series boys and then you had the, the Spanish guys. And I think they were more used to the 15s than the, so anybody trying to take the quick tap, you know, we're not, we're not having that. Geez, I tell you what, since you've come on the pod, Mitch's accent has completely shifted. He's proper giving it all out now. He's, <laughs> before he, he was even, speaking, I'm not even speaking from the, the same Queens area. Yeah. I know, but Chip, he's, Chip, he's, you he's can come in, in, son. You can come in. You're welcome. I've been down here too. I've been down here too long. Well, how's that? How's that Quinn shirt going? Well, which one? The massive one. <laughs> Fucking hell! I know. Kitman. Uh, Kitman told me it was XL, but he's definitely too XL. He's done me. One night in heaven. One night. Mike, you've you've coached England. You've coached Kenya. You've been in the USA since 2014. What have you learned that we could learn over here in terms of pathway, picking up players? development of the game i know you've got some pretty strong views on sevens that it's a bit of an adapt or die situation i'd love to love to know what you what you've learned and what you'd put into place in england what for being over there or being uh, and what I'd, what I'd bring from america to here yeah from america kenya if there's anything over there as well well i, t- I tell you what i wouldn't bring from kenya is the three wise men because when when you get on the three wise men it doesn't end well they don't just don't don't yeah get, what is that Jim Beam, Jack Daniels, Johnny Walker. And I'm telling you, when those Kenyan boys have got those around, just die. Just die for cover. Did you know I got clobbered in Paris on the Sunday morning in Jera, Uma, and Baka and Amanda. And I know when they've been on them because they all of a sudden they become literally, they become so cuddly. And literally, when they when Amande gets hold of you, as you know, you're going nowhere. Been there, been there. What I'd bring back from America is I think the biggest thing that they have that we could learn from is is their scholastic system. I'm not necessarily to their extreme in terms of the way that they ensure that their, their top athletes go through colleges before they become professional rugby players, but ensure that they get that education and that, that mentoring and that holistic life experience before they focus totally on sport. And they're not under pressure or forced to, to, to just think about their sport at 18 years old, although it's a key part of, of their everyday living. And I think... The way that rugby's going in, in England and the Premier Clubs and things like that, I would, I would love to see a more scholastic, holistic approach adopted for, for guys that leave school at 18. And then, and then the pathway of whether they choose sevens or fifteens will, will be a lot easier for the player and the club to discover. Um, and Because I, I, I feel that there's a lot of late developers in, in the UK and England that, that we're missing out on at the moment that we don't necessarily need to. And there are a lot of players that 
have done some great things at schoolboy level that fall out of love with the game or think they're failures because it all ends when they're 18, 19, where if our approach was slightly more holistic and uh, about the person rather than the player, we could be in a very, very different place uh, as a sport. I think that's a hell of a shout, mate. Like a couple of, you know, well, all of us going through uni, but going to professional rugby post-uni was a massive blessing. But it is a gamble in this country because certainly for the young lads now, if you get offered something coming out of school, you're going to take it because you don't want to, you know, go to uni for a few years and then that that offer not be on the table. While we're getting into the big questions, let's go even bigger. Yeah. Because I'm sure you've got, I'm sure you've got thoughts. The World Series in general, it's obviously on hold. Okay. It's all, there's a (laughs) hands on head moment. Yeah. It's all on pause and it's all having a bit of a reset. What can fans and players and coaches expect for the future of the World Series, do you think? Uh, yeah, I've been quite vocal on that. And, and, I, and, I, and I think we need to revamp the series. Um, uh, and I've got, I've got some, some views. I, I do think we need to be, uh, we need to continue along the lines of being mixed men and women tournaments together. I think that's a unique thing for our sport that we need to embrace and, and, and trailblaze with. Um, and I think we need, we need to change and create a global season, which encompasses not only a world series, but also provides, um, some sort of competitive franchise geographical, I think, I believe, because I think the sevens is tribal, um, competition where players can earn money, (laughs) uh, alongside the contracts that they have with their countries, but also we can create commercial revenues and product that we can sell and build to create a global calendar. And then I think the next part of our season should be around a kind of domestic and regional and building those parts of, of the Olympic uh, vision. Because ultimately the Olympics is the pinnacle for rugby sevens. And we're so fortunate that we're now ingrained in the Olympics. It's, for, it's ours to lose. We're in 24, we're in 28. We've got to do something radically wrong to get kicked out rather than keep ourselves in. So we've got a unique opportunity in this reset to ensure that we reposition the game and the series so it's um, so it, it works well. It, 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 the DNA isn't compromised in terms of the integrity of competition, which we've had to suffer over the last couple of years. Player welfare is maximised, but also there's consistency in season in terms of the World Series, when we have major competitions, is that July, August? Is that the Olympics and the Rugby World Cup Sevens and some sort of franchise event in the four-year cycle? Where do multi-sport regional games fit into that? For example, the Commonwealth Games. You know, it's a big thing for England and New Zealand. But if you had the equivalent in the Americas, which is the Pan Am Games, we don't necessarily send our first team there we will send our, our next group. So again, countries can make decisions on what they want to do on their regional multi-sport games, but that sits in that regional domestic part of the seven season, which then allow you to develop players or reintroduce or reintegrate players that need additional game time. So it, it's all driven by money. So until we, we create a commercial and marketing platform to sell our product, and my view is I think we need private equity um, to, to invest because dependent on what nation you are. So if you're a, what we would call it, you know, a traditional tier one where rugby 15s is the dominant force, they see sevens as their snotty, snotty kid in the corner rather than this game that could be a fantastic additional vehicle for them to develop players and create stars in their own right. And I think we need to position it so that those programs are cost effective so they they are either profit making or at least cost neutral because then i think we are truly allowing every program and every country an opportunity to make the world series and have a credible chance of making the olympics which is the the olympic value values through and through isn't it everybody's got to have an opportunity to make it um and i think that's the difference in sevens to 15s 15s is close shot right there's only going to be three or four nations that ever win the World Cup. That's not necessarily the, the same in, 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 in our game. So we're, yeah, we're, we'll say, where, are you, where are you boys at? What do you think? Well, you, you can't just turn the question back on us now after giving <laughs> such an eloquent and well-thought-out answer. What do what you expect from us? <laughs> well, 
With your education, no, Mitch, I... less so chippy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I echo a lot of what he said. Um, not just because you're on the on the pod as a guest, but I think fundamentally, I probably haven't recognised the importance of the commercial side of things. And until that it, that works, both on the sort of local and global level. I don't know how it develops. Um, and I think as you, you're right, that the the union funding model seems to have a ceiling for sevens in too many countries for that to be the future. Um, and that's coming from, you know, I've played in England, for England, where it's probably the, the best or certainly one of the best funded programs over the years anyway. And so, you know, even seeing that, you, you realise that there's there's a ceiling and, the game can't get past that point necessarily. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I feel like the the kind of the commercial side is completely undiscovered. Like the 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 salaries that are in the Premiership in comparison to some of the seven salaries is 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 a, is a well not far off a joke. Um, and the the annoying thing is that the seeing seeing lads well being like being back in 15s now and seeing some of the academy players that are not being put through the sevens that are sitting there waiting for six or seven A-league games in a season playing in front of one man and his dog when they could be in Hong Kong playing in front of 50,000 people on a great stage it like kind of I'm like oh like knocking my head against the wall thinking we've how wrong is the setup and how much like sevens can develop you I know that, like speaking for, I'm, bi- I'm biased but yeah but that's that's linking back to that kind of scholastic model you know, these probably these yeah. academy kids you're on about 18, 19 years old, right? They're waiting for six injuries to get a shot to hold a tackle bag rather than yeah. a, a long-term view taken with those players, which is the same issues I had when I was with England back in, God knows how long ago that was. It was a long time ago. But like early 2000s, is we, we were wrestling with what's the best thing for this person, this player in the, in the two-year frame, not the next month. And DOR's... Uh, and premiership clubs and that collaboration between the union is one thing. Now money talks. So the the reality is that you talk about the, the, the commercial realities of what we need to create on the sevens to generate money, not only for developing unions and developing programs, but also to help established unions to ensure that they allow their programs to flourish is critical. Um, and, and that's at the macro level, not the micro level you just talked about, which is players, which is ultimately the essence of the game. We, we haven't got a game without the players. It's, it's yeah. as simple as that. And do you think they will make that decision? I mean, <laughs> you, you know, I mean, you, you boys know I sit on that, on that steering group to, to represent you lot. God help you lot. I mean, why they ever picked the bloke from South East London, I'll never know. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't vote for you, Giza. Chippy <laughs> yeah. did. Jake, or Chippy said he did. He probably didn't. Um, so I, I think, I think we've got to, you know, we're working very hard as, as a group of coaches to ensure that the stakeholders understand the position, not only of the coaches, but obviously the International Rugby Players Association are quite vocal to make sure they understand what the players want and need. Not just necessarily for the players now, but all you guys are interested in leaving this in a better place for those that follow you as well. Um, and, I, and I do think we're getting to a tipping point. We've, we've got to get it right on the next quad. And I don't think we can achieve that with outside help. And I think that realisation is, is, is there. It's just what way they will go and how far they will go in order to try and achieve that. Um, I mean, whether we're around to see it will be neither here nor there, but, you know, hopefully we'll leave it a better place. The, pod, the podcast will still be here, Giggies, so let that be an outlet. You can always talk about it. On this. <laughs> pod will always survive. Well, look, talking about the players, you've got, so many star players underneath your management. We've obviously spoken about Perry, but there's Carlin, there's Danny Barrett. There's loads of big name players that put bums on seats. What's it like working with those boys? I think our younger listeners would be particularly interested in, oh, in some of these big names. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they're a herd of cats. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like herding cats with this mob. I mean, you know, like Carlin, what you, what you see about Carlin <laughs> at the moment is, I mean, the bloke thinks he's a singer. Now, if you've heard Carlin, he's like a strangled cat. So Carlin is, like, you'll see him because he's got, you know, everything's like album dropping, all of that. He's, if he's not pushing his fabletics, 
he's talking about sprinting. That's that's the second time. It's the second time second in two time. weeks that the Fabletics has had a mention. Oh, mate, seriously. But, you know, honestly, uh, they're, they're such great... In- and as the boys know, they're such great individual characters and it's a cocktail when they're all in the change room because obviously then you've got big Danny who's... Like, Danny is the angriest man in the world on a rugby pitch and the nicest guy ever off the pitch. He's actually, like... You'll hate me for saying this. He's actually very, very... Got a soft heart and... You know, he's actually got a very caring side, which I don't know if that will be a, a big positive or a big negative for all, for all of your young audience, but it just shows you can be a horrible man on the pitch and be the big man on the pitch and be such a nice guy off the pitch as well. Um, I've, and then I've got Madison now trying to take him on on, on, the, on the hair and the beard. I think in one of those comments, are, I, won't, I won't cut it until we get back on the World Series. Now that's backfiring a little bit on him at the moment because he's, <laughs> he wasn't expecting it to be twelve months in. I think his I think his uh, his girlfriend's getting a little bit you know miffed now because she's even reverting to Instagram to say should it go now or soon. So yeah, it's, they're an interesting mob as you know, lads, because they're from such varying backgrounds. Right? It's, it's it's amazing the, the the backgrounds and the stories that they've got from where they've come from, how they arrived in the game. I've got one question to to wrap things up. Just very quickly, Mike, the Olympics is obviously the big goal at the end of the year. It's the goal for absolutely everybody. What is your big hope for USA out in Tokyo? We're like everybody else. We're, we're, we feel like probably the other 11 teams, whoever, the, that we've got a chance of winning a medal. Um, I, I think it's, it's any given Sunday um, for, for all 12 teams. So we will be confident, um, but, but fully aware of the challenge. Um, that sevens can be so brutal as well as so magical, dependent on where that ball bounces and whether or not, more importantly, you take your opportunity. Um, and I and I I do think that that is the case about the Olympics. When when it, when we look back at this Olympics, I think the team that took the opportunities will will ultimately come out and win. And, and I know that's an easy thing to say, but you know, without blush, the blushes for Mitch and, and Chippy. I, I, I kind of relay it back to that World Cup game between England and USA in, in San Francisco where there were opportunities that could have been taken, that should have been taken. But when you took the opportunity, when Mitch and the England boys took that opportunity on that clutch play to, to, to win that game against us, that's what the game is. It's, it's, that's it at its best. It's most magnificent, but magnificent, but it's also at its most brutal, dependent on whether or not it's you that catches it or that you that didn't make the tackle to get across to stop it. And we are confident that we can medal, but I'm assured that there will probably be 11 other teams that will give you the same answer. Right, Mike, what an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much for making the time for us. But we're going to talk about top speed. No, I told Burnsy I didn't want to bring I've it up. I've been doing my stats. Gizzy, I'm telling you now you don't want to go there. I can't imagine you were that quick in your day. Mate, seriously, the windsock was flying. <laughs> we didn't we didn't have kilometres per hour in my day. We just had a windsock. You must have looked like a windsock in some of those old shirts you used to play in, hanging off you. <laughs> All the best this weekend, Mike. Yeah, good luck, Mike. And, and send, send our best and, to the And send P. Bake our love. Yeah, we'll do right. Stay safe, boys. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. That was good fun, wasn't it? It is good. For you. It is good fun with Geezer. I think that's the main thing. Like you see, when he is like, you know, when someone leaves the podcast and their little name pops up, is left. Yeah, he's the only one who's had his actual nickname as his uh, <laughs> as his Zoom name. Geezer left. I like. I like the thought that he's on the world rugby calls <laughs> and like business calls with Geezer as his Zoom name as well. It's refreshing to hear someone speak as honestly as he does as well I wish there were more people in the game who just shot from the hip and actually said how it was and didn't trot out a media spiel yeah he doesn't pull any punches um, says what he thinks and some of his points are absolutely spot on with how to grow the game uh, and let's just hope over the next the next years coming that people higher up can listen uh, and they can be implemented into growing the game and being better I think that's what he wants as well like he's not after it for himself he's after just making sevens like a spectacle that it should be on the subject of him shooting from the hip I've in the past like in previous years wondered how his players feel about some of the stuff he says because he is often very uh, transparent about what's going on within the squad and he, he joke about some his players and stuff but um, is obviously you know he got the permission of the boys and it's obviously something that he's just very open on all fronts and it seems to work and it, it does make for 
does make for some good media snippets as well. Well, maybe that creates a, a growth environment where criticism and feedback is all taken on board in the correct manner rather than be scared of ruffling people's feathers. Like it's interesting when we were talking about Kenya that he just he said we got beaten up. And I'm not sure you'd hear many coaches say as honestly or give an, a, as honest an appraisal as that. It's refreshing. I love to hear it. Right, lads. And just like that, that is another episode in the can of your celestial one-stop pod for all things Rugby Sevens. We're going to be back next week. We've got the Madrid Sevens once again on the box. Tune in on the stream and check out our social channels for all the updates. Our handles are at 7th Heaven Pod. But from all of us up in the clouds... For another week, until next time, it is adios. Silly. Bye.